0: Another €200 euro electricity credit may be on the cards to relieve households of their bills in the coming months. In a bid to ease the rising cost of living for households, the government announced in September that they'd be giving out €600 euro as a subsidy for energy in three €200 euro tranches. Uh, now, there may be a fourth, which would bring the total up to 800 uh, for one and all. I'm joined by Paul Murphy, Solidarity People Before Profit TD, and by Lisa Ryan, Professor of Energy Economics at the UCD School of Economics and the UCD Energy Institute. Good morning and welcome to you both. Uh, First of all, Paul, um, politically, uh, are you happy that this is uh, another welcome help to combat inflation from the government?
1: Well, I think people will be happy to have something. Clearly, something is better than nothing. But it is entirely inadequate. Because, like... The cost of living crisis, I think, has gone away for the moment from the headlines of the news and so on, but it's still dominating people's lives. I mean, people experienced in 2022 average grocery prices going up for an average family of two thousand euros. Their energy bills went up by another two thousand euros, and their transport costs went up by close to a thousand euros. So people are really suffering this winter. Uh, 40% of households are now in energy poverty, which means they're spending more than 10% of their total household income on energy. People are in a crisis situation. Um, So clearly people will welcome a 200 euro credit. But there is a structural problem in how the government is doing this, which is that there is no price controls being put on the electricity companies. So the electricity companies are free to pocket this 200 euros or a large portion of this 200 euros by simply keeping prices artificially high. Because the crucial factor that is driving the cost of living crisis, both in terms of food prices and in terms of energy, is profiteering by these corporations.
0: Now, do you believe there's no competition really between the energy providers? Because you can switch. If you think that someone is gouging you, you can look at the other offerings in the market uh, and switch to a a better tariff.
1: You can, um, but across the... Across the course of last year, across all the different companies, there were about 50 different price rises. So all their prices have gone up. Of course, people should choose the cheapest option. But you can't avoid the massive increases that have gone on. And then the vast majority of those companies have significantly increased their profits. I mean, Borgosh Energy had a 74% rise in profits in just the first half of uh, last year. Its parent company, Centrica, made profits in the second quarter of 1.3% billion uh, pounds sse electricity had record profits esb had record profits across the world the food and energy companies doubled their total profits across the course of last year compared to the year before so these people are making massive profits and electricity credits won't stop that and doesn't stop in fairness a
0: couple of the companies have said they're not going to profit take they're going to actually give back
1: Yeah, but at the moment, (laughs) they're certainly profit-taking because they're simultaneously increasing prices and then announcing uh, record uh, profits. There's no indication that they're bringing prices down. And it gets to a fundamental point, which is that we had the liberalisation and effective privatisation of the electricity market here and that has been a disaster. We had some of the lowest electricity prices in Europe, now we have some of the highest. The switch to renewables has been extremely slow because the private sector has been very slow to uh, invest and so we need to have Price I mean, it's not it's not,
0: you know, you're always slagging off the private sector, but the private sector, There are a queue of uh, projects trying to get permissions for either land based uh, wind farms or uh, offshore wind farms. We know that on board Planola is not fit for purpose in terms of offshore at the moment. They need probably a separate planning uh, for that. But there are people who really do want to invest. And the second element of all of this is even when we're using huge amounts of wind energy into our grid, because of the the market that has been constructed for the sale of electricity, um, we don't get the benefit really of uh, stuff that's been produced at no cost. I mean, you've got the capital cost, Mm -hmm. but when the wind blows, it costs you nothing. So yeah. we don't get the benefit because of the nature of the uh, exactly. structure of the uh, the market and which the EU has now finally recognised and has decided to reform.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it, it means that huge profits are being made by wind generators in particular. That's where the, the biggest profits are there. And then at an international level, the major oil and gas corporations, their profits are through the roof. They're almost tripled one year, 2022, on 2021. Uh, um, but I, I think we need to renationalize the energy sector, we need to reintegrate the ESB group, which is publicly owned, but is run currently on a for-profit basis, and where it can't cross-subsidize from its generation sector, into its supply sector. So they're legally not allowed to say we're making these huge profits over here, we're going to keep our prices uh, low. And, and then we need to have say, price controls. I mean, the government mm. has the power to say the maximum unit price of electricity you can charge is 25 cents. Let's make electricity actually affordable to people. People need it uh, yeah. to, to live.
0: I mean, that's fine. But if it costs more than 25 cents to create the unit of electricity, um, and you're saying that there should be a maximum price, what then? I mean, people will just walk away from the market and we yes currently the way it's structured we do need uh, the the private generation
1: but you, you agree that for wind, private generation of wind, and the vast majority of renewable energy is private because the, the government has effectively mm. given that to the private sector, that their costs are significantly lower than 25 cents per uh, unit. Yeah. But as uh,
0: I say, they take a price. Uh, the price is set, at, depending on the supply of energy generally into the market, whether it's gas or oil or in some places, some jurisdictions still using coal. We still use uh, coal. You can look at uh, the air grid generation uh live feed today and you can see how much coal we might be using if it's a still day a lot of coal if it's a windy day not so much coal uh, you can look at all of that but uh, they, that determines the price that is given to the wind operators not their costs not their cost base but Correct. The, the market price
1: but that's, that's why they're able to make the kind of extraordinary profit. so the, the, the market is separated into suppliers and generators the, the big profits are not being made at the supply side they're being made at the generation side, in particular, by renewables. But because the market is set up in this way, uh, you get big profits over here, but then massive prices for ordinary people. So we we have to reject that logic of saying that we're going to run our electricity on a for-profit basis. It hasn't worked in terms of climate, it hasn't worked in terms of providing uh, low-cost electricity people. Instead, we need to renationalize the energy sector as a whole uh, and say we're going to run it as a public utility. And the ESB, when it was the state monopoly, was extraordinarily successful. It actually provided low-cost electricity. It invested in like major structural uh, pro- projects, the likes of Crusha you know what I mean it was able to electrify this country and provide low cost electricity to people now now we have a situation where you know if you're at home on any given day you have loads of people calling by your door attempting to get you to shift from one electricity supplier to another the electricity is still coming from the same place it's this artificial market that is only working for these massive profits being made by the corporations mm-hmm.
0: Alright uh, thanks very much for that Paul Paul Murphy uh, Solidarity People Before Profit at TD uh, Lisa Ryan Professor of uh, Energy Economics at the UCD School of Economics and the UCD Energy Institute has been listening to all of that. Lisa, simple solution, re-nationalise energy provision, be it gas or electricity, and we can solve the problem.
2: Well, thanks, Pat. Um, yeah, I've been listening to all that and I think it's a lot more nuanced and complex than, than um, the, uh, Paul Murphy RTD and RTG has been um, c- discussing there. I mean, there's a few issues here. One thing that we didn't really mention is the fact that gas prices, just the you know phenomenal increase on the markets that we've seen you know last summer they increased 700 percent and that is at the root of all of this Um, As Paul correctly said, there's a split between generation and supply. And on the generation side, at the root of it, is the fact that gas prices were so incredibly high. We've never seen that sort of um, price increase before. And once you have that, you know, 50% of our electricity is generated from gas. That drives the price, as you said yourself. Um, And, you know, all generators then um, receive that price. So renewables have some renewables. Actually, it depends very much on the contracts they're on. Some of them are on. Fixed contracts, and they receive a particular price no matter what the wholesale market is doing. Um, so it really depends on the contracts for those um, renewables. And I suppose one thing we didn't talk about yet is the fact that a windfall tax is being introduced to uh, to you know claw back some of the windfall profits. So when the price on that wholesale market goes above 120 euros um, a kilowatt hour, and um, for this year for 2023, the government will receive back. Um, the excess uh, so it's profit there. And it's estimated that will raise between 300 and $1.9 billion. It's a huge range. We're not exactly mm. sure how much that will raise, but that will be very useful in terms mm. of subsidizing and cross-subsidizing no. some of the you know, um, energy costs
0: that we see. You know, the... the I suppose utopian situation would be we have loads of gas in the ground which we don't because Corib is uh, reaching the end of its life. It perhaps could have been extended uh, by uh, more exploration but I think the Green Party has set its uh, face and therefore the government's face against any further exploration. But in theory the utopia would be we've got our own gas not owned by Shell or anybody else but our own Irish gas. We have our own Irish wind. We have our own irish wind farms and we uh, generate all the power that we need ourselves that's not the way it is um you know that's not the way the market is constructed so the market is about to be reformed by the eu how might that work so that you could benefit you know if you've got a war in ukraine well we've got lots of wind that's cheap we can exploit that and forget about the gas
2: well, we, I think, you know, people are very careful about reforming that market. The reality is it took about 20 years to design the market as it is. And although it's received a lot of criticism um, in the last year, you know, the reality is that it actually is very supportive of renewables. So we've had this extraordinary situation with very, very high gas prices. Which has meant that the market, you know, has given these high profits to renewables. But normally gas prices are not high like that at all, and so the market works in renewables' favours to a certain extent, so that you know they they manage to recoup some of the upfront investment. So people are quite reluctant to tinker with that too much. And the other pro- the other point is that you know everybody has to have this. Everyone has to have the same market. Your point there with um, if we had our own natural gas, like even if we had our own natural gas, our own wind. At the end of the day they're all traded in Europe and you know if even with carb gas we still ha- the companies still have to buy it at the market price across Europe you know if they didn't then you know the carb gas fields would sell it across to Germany or somewhere else where they would get a higher price yeah. No but so it, Paul's it, it idea was that, that we would own
0: anything. He, you know his idea was that forget about uh, any European uh, market if we owned uh, carb gas instead of uh, the international people who do own it um, then we could sell it to ourselves at whatever price we wanted. We could keep it low uh, and keep the consumer happy. Uh, why?
2: But you can't it, really do that unless you're living in a in a kind of a closed country. Um, as I say, you know, you couldn't, re- you wouldn't be able to really sell it to yourself because it wouldn't make sense as a country. Then we should probably sell it to Germany at a higher price instead of selling it to ourselves at a lower price and artificially keeping the price low. Um, At the end of the day what's important is to have a little, it is good to have your your own supply because just in terms of geopolitically that you can make sure that you know you won't be cut off and that's very important and wind of course is really the future for Ireland and offshore wind where we really have an immense resource. But I would disagree with Paul there in terms of that we're making a mess of it because we've increased in private investment. In fact, there's been, you know, Ireland is really a showcase for how companies have invested in wind and it's been done at lower costs than in many other countries because of the way we waited while it was crossed, it was subsidized later than other countries. And so we didn't waste a whole lot of uh, public yeah. money on it. But you, it you know, the, the
0: idea that even if we are part of a kind of a European market, that it might be. Um more sensible to allow the mix, you know, to have a a wind price that you pay, and you mentioned some contracts are for fixed prices, but that you've got a wind price. Sometimes it might be more expensive than the gas price or the coal price, and that has been the case. Wind has been subsidized in, in, in some situations, but that when we have this wartime situation with Ukraine and the lack of Russian gas and so on, a shortage of this particular commodity, that you can take the cheap stuff which is the wind and the cheap stuff, which is solar and you can mix it with the dear stuff, which is gas and therefore the combined price drops. Why does that not, why is it not capable to construct a market in this way?
2: Well, it actually does happen. I mean, if you look at uh, academic researchers have been monitoring the price and they do estimate that, you know, wind the fact that we have so much wind in the system at certain times, you know, there are days when we have 70% wind on other days, unfortunately, when we have practically zero, um, that the wind has lowered the wholesale price of electricity compared to what it would it would have been without it. If you split it, um, like you're suggesting there, and you just have wind on its own, the question is then what should that price be? Um, You know if you're a wind investor you do want people to invest in wind so they have to be able to recoup and it's a different business model compared with say a fossil fuel operator because you you know you invest up front it's very high Uh, capital costs and then afterwards you have very low operating costs so if you're just expecting you know if you're just charging zero when the wind is running the the investors never get their capital costs back so you do need to charge higher than their operating costs so this is getting into the weeds now but it isn't as straightforward and so you would you would nearly be artificially setting a price so it, it becomes quite difficult to separate but there is a discussion about having say a fossil fuel electricity market and maybe, a, you know, a renewable, um, electricity market. But I would say it's, it's, you know, it's still a long way from being developed. We definitely have this market for, for the, you know, the short term and the medium term. And in Ireland, we really need to be part of that European market because at the end of the day, we, you know, we're a very isolated system and we need to be able able to trade uh, across the interconnector and even more so in the future when we build that interconnector to France and we have offshore wind off the east and west coasts of Ireland we need to be very much part of a European electricity market rather than just on our own
0: yeah mind you uh, we could do an awful lot by insulating our houses retrofitting and so on solar generation on our roofs uh, which would you know take a huge chunk of the demand out. now it might be expensive every home having instead of a, an immersion heater has a big battery <laughs> underneath the the stairs or whatever it might be uh, we could do an awful lot to reduce demand couldn't we
2: agreed and that you know is is a huge part of us particularly when we're talking about say the energy credit now and protecting vulnerable households really the you know the most important thing is that we continue to retrofit every house in the country we have very poor uh, quality building stock and many of the lowest income groups are in the the poorest houses and so we need to make sure that we keep rolling it out i mean we do have a program in ireland where um uh, lower income groups can get their houses retrofitted for free but it's a long waiting list and that needs to be really progressed a lot quicker to make sure that people don't have high energy bills in the first place and are basically protected against the market and you know the ups and downs that we see coming our way in the future
0: I suppose those people in A-rated houses uh, are laughing all the way to the bank at this stage you know people with literally their energy bills in the double digits uh, every couple of months instead of being in the triple digits or even in some cases the quadruple digits Lisa thank you very much for joining us Lisa Ryan is Professor in Energy Economics at the UCD School of Economics and the UCD Energy Institute